Bibles to Acts chapter 8. I'm just going to speak a few things about what you, what's carrying on in your heart. We've gone from Jerusalem to Judea, and now we're coming into a Samaria scenario. Guys, after I've read this scripture, I'm going to just show that film uh, that we've got. But I just want you to follow along with me, because there's a bit of a mixed response to the gospel. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 8, and we'll read the story of uh, Simon the sorcerer. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, whether they were chefs, school teachers, whether they were people who worked on the council or wherever, they preached the word, both with their lives and their lips. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city because freedom began to break out. Wouldn't you like to see this in Birmingham, anybody? Wouldn't that be great to have such joy in our city? Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called great power of God. They followed him because he'd amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, As he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Nobody was left out. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria and when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And he said, give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay hands on, they may receive the Spirit. He offered them money. Peter answered, may your money perish perish with you because the thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. The Beatles wrote a song one time. It says, you can buy a lot, but money can't buy me love. Don't break out in song now, you Beatles fans. There are some things that money can't buy. Are you one of them? Are you one of them that that you're something that money can't buy? Have you got precious values in your life that you think there's no amount of money that I would not give up who I am for this?
you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Isn't it strange what what carries over in our hearts sometimes? Isn't it strange that we, we become Christians, we're baptized, we can see all the miracles, but some things carry over in our hearts. Some thinking stays with us. Simon said to them, oh, pray that the Lord, that nothing that you have said happens to me. Because they'd said he was full of bitterness and captive to sin. And after they'd further proclaimed the word and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. The gospel has a mixed response as it gets out into Samaria. Just watch this film because I want you to see that sometimes there's a mixed response to a thing that you're trying to do. We should have this in church, church camp. Everybody say, oh. Come on, don't be shy. Yep. It's you. Oh, there you go. Mistletoe camp. There's your mistletoe. Oh, affectionate. Do you feel his pain? She said no. In front of all those people. He put it out there. He went down on one knee. And she rejected him. You think that's funny? And listen, by the way, if this happened to you, I'm really sorry Jesus will heal you today. He put it out there. Will you? And she said, no. Oh, oh, just say it out loud, brother. (laughs) I have a feeling that this is how we feel when we think we're going to share the gospel. I think this is exactly what's playing out in many of our minds. I think we read the Bible and we see all the success. I think we see all the things that happen, the miracles. But we think if I put my faith out there, surely I'm not sure I'll be like that man exposed. I'll be rejected. And I think in our minds 
That's what we think is happening. So sometimes we automatically think, if I go out with the gospel, people are not interested. And actually, if you read the Bible accurately, there's always a mixed response to the gospel. Some people receive the word well. Some people receive it, and they're ready. They're ready to say, yes, I do. And some people aren't. In the, in the scriptures that we just read, it, some people shrieked because they were so demonized. People can't be cleaned up before they come to Jesus. It's Jesus that cleans them up. I'm so pleased. I never went to church in my life. But I'm so pleased that when I got to church, people didn't say to me, well, when you get right with God, then you can come to our church. How about you? Are you, not, are you not really pleased that God says, just come to me? It doesn't say, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then you can come to me. Or if you're clean, then you can be part of church. He says, come. Amen? He says, come. He says, come as you are. But you know, he says, come and I'll change you. I'll radically transform you. I will do something in you that no one else can do. I will touch you and change you from the inside. It will be complete transformation. And then he says, go on a journey with me, and I'll take care of some underlying things. Because What we see in the Simon story is that he's carrying some things in his heart. I wonder what you've brought along with you in your heart. I wonder, having come to faith, whether you're carrying some things and that you're traveling with some things. You know, Jesus... He told a parable one day. It was called the parable of the sower. And he said a farmer goes out to sow and he scatters seed and he throws it out. And he said that some people receive the word. And then he said that because they've carried something in their heart, like the worries and the cares of life, they've not come to the place where they could give that over to God. They receive the word of God, but because they're carrying something in their heart, then the cares of life choke out that life. It said another person, because when, when it, life gets tough and, it, and some people start persecuting you, because they've not put their roots down in God, because they're not carried in their heart that trust, then they wither and die also. You see, what you're carrying in your heart is really important. And, and sometimes what God does is he, he kind of walks through your life and it's like a riverbed, you know, where you begin to uh, move the bottom of the riverbed to find out what's there and mud comes up and think uh, life gets a bit more muddy sometimes when God is working on us because we're carrying something in our hearts. I wonder what you've carried with you in your heart. A bit of a picture in the, in the Old Testament was is that when they were crossing over Jordan, they, they stood with the ark in the middle and they crossed over on dry land and everybody had to go past God's truth to say, this is what we're committing to as we go into this new life. I wonder if you've carried something in your heart over into your new life. 
You see, our behavior is linked to several things. Lots of stuff can impact us in the way that we are. We can be like a sportsman who's carrying an injury. You know, top sportsmen can play at 90% and they can do really well. In fact, I was hearing on the radio the other day that Andy Murray, he's going into Wimbledon and he's carrying a hip injury. And I hope I'm not cursing him by, but when it gets to the, you know, the first round, the second round, but when it gets up to the semi-finals and the final, at that high intensity, his injury will be more crucial to him. You see, you can carry some things in your Christian life for a long time. And, and as things are just bobbing along, it's all right. But when the heat of ministry comes or when the trial comes, that which you're carrying that's unhealthy can stifle your effectiveness can snuff out your fruit. And in worst case scenario, like Simon, that you begin to offer some things that are just not on. I wonder what you're carrying today. You see, our behavior is affected by our heart connection with God. And that's really why we're having on Wednesday nights, just to deepen our heart connection and the freedom that we've got. That that heart connection with God changes things for us. It's always important that you are always saying, God, talk to my heart, speak to my heart. Because you know, Proverbs says that your heart, it's the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Because everything else flows from there. If we're carrying some thoughts, that, that, some thinking patterns that are, that are not right, that will affect the way that we can move on. Our heart and our behavior is, is affected by underlying beliefs. Things that we just believe, that we've always believed, that we carry on believing. You know, we begin to believe that every man who's in authority is out to get me because in your past somebody's hurt you. And then you generalize that to everyone. Or, you know, some men, they believe that women are only useful as a commodity. And actually, you've grown up like that because that was what you were surrounded by. And you're carrying ungodly, unscriptural beliefs that are eventually going to work their way out. What have you carried today? What did you bring in with you? Simon has a couple of ungodly beliefs, two particular ones that I think sometimes we can connect with. He firstly believes that his significance is wrapped up in the adulation and affirmation of others. I mean, honestly, what type of person walks around a city and really wants people to call him, this man is the great power of God? In fact, the Bible says he thinks he was great. But actually, his greatness was based on the fact, everybody likes me. Jesus said to us, he said, you know, as a student of me, you, you won't be above me. And if they rejected me, you do realize there'll be an element of rejection for you. In fact, you will be rejected. Nobody likes to be rejected, do they? 
And we all battle with the acceptance of others. But here Simon's really battling with the fact, well, will I not be praised? Will I not be adored anymore? You see, he'd wrapped up his self-worth in the thought that other people think that he was great. It doesn't mean that we don't need encouragement. I'm not saying that we don't need connection. But our standing and our status doesn't come from the fact of who likes us and who doesn't like us. Actually, our standing comes that we have been accepted and rooted and planted into the greatest person in the universe, the one who loved us even though we weren't lovable, the one who came to find us even then some of us were unfindable, but he reached out, reached out for you and said, everybody else may reject you, but I don't reject you and I love you and you're coming to me now. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's so worthy of it. You see, Jesus, just before the story of his famous story with Nicodemus, right at the end of John chapter 2, it says something really clear about him. That he didn't give himself to men. You see, even though he was doing well, his miracles were being accepted, his teaching was going well. He was on a bit of a high at this moment. But the Bible says in John chapter 2, verse 25, and it says, He didn't give himself to any man because he knew what was in man. Now, it's not that we can't trust each other. and It's not that we shouldn't have heart connection with each other. But it's when you find your worth and significance only from the affirmation of others. You have to understand that you are rooted and called. You may not be qualified, but he qualifies the unqualified. He equips the unequipped. And he roots you and calls you and says you're mine. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through his death to present you holy in his sight. As a matter of what everybody else thinks about you, God looks at you and says, I see my son in you. I adore my son. I adore you. And then he says, uh, he presents you holy in his sight without blemish. With no foundation on. Without blemish. I'm a bit hot up here, so my foundation's running a bit. (laughs) Without blemish. That means the, the accusations that people are putting against you, God is saying, I'm dealing with them. Without blemish and free from accusation. You are accepted by Christ. And that, has to be your first port of call for your self-esteem. It's not that I don't want friends. It's not that I don't want sometimes encouragement. In fact, I've got this thing. I don't fish for compliments anymore. I'm just going to ask them. I'm just going to say, did you like my sermon? And what are people supposed to say? No, that was horrible. You see, you're pulling on the back foot, really, haven't you? How are you enjoying it so far, George? It's really good. Okay, good. Well done. It's not that we shouldn't have encouragement. It's not that we shouldn't care about what each other think. But if you only have your heart 
anchored to what everybody thinks about you, eventually it will sink. You have to understand that you're reconciled in Christ, that he has redeemed you, that he has said, you are mine, even when everybody else said you weren't worthy of being anybody's. You know what's underneath all of this? You know, this, this sense of people must like me. It's the fear of rejection. That's actually, if you scrape down under the thinking and you scrape down to the bottom of the heart where, where, the, where the seabed is and the silt is and you scrape underneath that, underneath that, often we have this sense of, I just don't want to be rejected, Mark. And I hear you. I've been in a workplace where, you know, I go in the canteen and everybody stops talking. It's horrible. I've been in a workplace where you have to sit on your own to have your lunch. I've been there. I've been an immigrant in a foreign country and lived there in two, actually. I've been there when I haven't been able to speak the language and heard People talking and laughing and not being able to understand quite and only having half the language. It can be difficult. But even amongst that, you have to hear God says, you're mine. Put your heart into my acceptance first and God will build the rest. Can I hear an amen, church? The other thing that Simon had as an unusual and false belief was is that he believed he could gain his significance from acquisition or the things that he could buy. He saw life as a series of things that you could buy. And he saw that he, he made his significance from, well, I can get it, so that makes me something. Now, doesn't this speak to our culture today that we often think that if we all went out, how many of you ever done this? Retail therapy. Please don't put your hand up because we all have, haven't we? We've all gone out and it's okay sometimes to, you know, you buy a new dress, men. You buy, you know, you buy buy new trousers or you, you get your spanking. I love these shoes. I call these shoes my fancy dance. I love them because they're two-toned brown. I just love them. Me and my friend Mark Greenwood, we talk about our brogues. It's so shallow. But we all do that. But it's whether you translate that belief to something deep in your heart that your life is made up of the things that you own. Or whether you translate that belief that your significance comes from having, and I'm going to say it, Nice things. Really? You see, Simon had got into the fact that, well, if you can buy it, get it. It seems strange to us, but we fall into this thinking by having lots of things makes us happy. But the real issue here is that Simon 
had started to emphasize the fact that having lots of things were making him happy and he began to relegate the progress of his character, the progress of who he was as the main issue of progress in his life and as the main goal in his life. Our character has to be one of our major life goals because without developing our character, everything else is on shaky ground. Jesus said in handling a worldly wealth, he said it this way in Luke chapter 16. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you? And then he says this, with true riches. He takes the issue of money and says, that's not true riches. So this is a, this is a minor thing to handle. This is a, a management thing to handle. But true riches are your heart, your character. Other people's lives, purpose and ministry. True riches are how you release other people into freedom. If you are stuck at the point of lots and lots of things make me happy, how will you handle even more things that God wants to put into your life? Peter said to the scattered Jews, He said this, these things, your persecutions or your sufferings have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith can be tested. Your faith, which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Your faith that may result in praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ when he's revealed. You see, there are some more important things than the things that you have. And you're all going to say amen to that. But can I dig down into the filing cabinet, into the USB stick of your heart and say, what's really there? When you didn't get that thing and you felt that God had left you, what's really down there? I believe God wants us to not carry some things over today. You see, this strange action of Simon offering money for something spiritual, and we all look at it and say, oh, I would never do that. It was caused by that deep-seated False belief down there that money can buy you everything. And then it caused some thoughts and some ungodly thoughts to happen in his mind. And then he began to think, as he thought those things, some emotions kicked in. And then it caused this strange thing. Can he have some money to buy the Holy Spirit? You see, that's how it happens. This is his thinking. He said, I believe that satisfaction's gained from just getting things. That's what Simon believed. So I began to think, well, I can just buy anything without character. I could, I could just buy that Holy Spirit. And I see the effect that Peter and John are having. And it makes me feel like they're rivals to my popularity. So I've got some unhelpful emotions. And so therefore, I come out with this outrageous thing. Can I buy that gift? And some of us are saying, I would never do that. But you will do that if you don't come back to the false beliefs that are sitting resident in your heart and say to yourself, Holy Spirit, can you heal them? Scripture, can you refine them? Can I give them up? Because false beliefs bring ungodly thoughts that bring unhelpful emotions. And then it makes you do things that you're not proud of. So I wonder today, 
whether your inner world is where it needs to be. I wonder if you've got a belief inside you that says, well, I don't want to be rejected, so I'm never going to share the gospel because I know some people will reject that. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. I wonder if there's a false belief in there that's saying, I'll never trust a man ever again because the last man hurt me and I just believe that men are not to be trusted. How far will that get you? I wonder if there's a belief in there that says, you know, women are only good for one thing. And then you wonder why your relationships are breaking down because there's a false belief in there. You see, what God wants to do very gently, very kindly, very like a very patient gardener, he wants to just draw into our hearts, come into our hearts, and gently heal us from the hurts of the past because some of our hurts will spawn false beliefs. He wants to gently challenge those things. He doesn't want to expose anybody today. What he wants to do is come alongside you, put his arm around you and say, would you, would you have the courage just to say, can you work deeper in me, Lord? See, the inner world of Simon was full of bitterness. And what bitterness is, is unfulfilled dreams. It's, it's unresolved issues. It, when, the, when the Bible says, Simon, you're full of bitterness, what, what Peter's saying is, you've got so much that's unresolved in you. And that's causing you to be captive for sin. And Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me that nothing that you've said happens. And when I... When I read that verse, I feel so much compassion for him because I feel like he's full of shame at this moment, feeling like he can't change. And I can hear in my spirit there are some people in this room that have felt like they can't change. But I can tell you, by in the name of the Lord, that you can change. The Bible says that you can be regenerated, that the Holy Spirit can give you a new heart. The Bible says that you can have a new mind. The Bible says that even if you're a struggling Christian, that a smoking flax he won't put out, a bruised reed he won't break. He heals the people who are oppressed. He wants to help you today. So can I come alongside you as a friend and as a brother? Can I come alongside you as a pastor and as a shepherd and can I say to you why don't you give your heart back to God again and say God would you do a deeper work in me I'm going to ask Natalie and the worship team to come and maybe you could stand with me because I want to just ask you let's all stand together shall we as we close our service I want to ask you today, what are you traveling with? Is it time to lighten the load? You see, you can change. When, when Peter said to Simon, and he said, you need to repent, that's a heavy word in the Christian, in the Christian world. But the word repentance means change your mind. See things a different way. 
Stop looking with the eyes that you've always looked and, and look with the eyes of Scripture or look with the eyes of hope. Look with the eyes of encouragement from the Holy Spirit that says, this can be different from you. You see, when you say the word repent, it means change your attitude. Stop thinking that, you see, there's a verse in the Bible that God says, I live in high and lofty places, but I also dwell with the contrite of heart, with the people who are simply willing to say, I need some more heart surgery. Now, please don't get me wrong. You might be a very positive person and you might be on a good roll in your life. But all I'm saying to you today is let the Holy Spirit dig deeper down into your life and begin to put more good in and take some of the false beliefs out. Maybe you could just lift your hand with me and just begin to say, God, would you do a deeper work in me? I need it. You see, what the word repentance means is that you reject some old thinking. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Have you got some thinking inside of you where it's really what you used to think when you were a teenager and now you need to put it down? Is it time to say, no, I'm not thinking that anymore? Come on, everybody in the house, just lift your hands with me because we're going to do a declaration. Is it because repentance means that you declare the right things and stop speaking the wrong things over you? The psalmist said, I'll declare that your love stands firm forever and you've established your faithfulness in the heavens. So I wonder if you could just make a declaration with me. I'll say a line and you say it after me and you speak it right out and add your voices to everybody else's voices so that your voice becomes a part of their voice and their declaration and your declaration mingle as one as a great declaration to God so that your spirit's lifted. And some of you right now are saying, oh, I'm not sure I want to speak out. Speak out because something's going to happen to you. Are you ready? Heavenly Father, I trust you today. I trust you with all my heart. I trust you for my future. I trust you for my family. I trust you today, Lord. I am your child. And I belong to you first. I thank you that you have reconciled my heart. I am now yours. I am yours first. And I belong to you. So what can separate me from the love of God? I said, so what can separate me from the love of God? Now shout this out. Absolutely nothing. 
Nothing in heaven. Nothing in earth. Nothing below the earth. Above the earth. Nothing in life. Nothing in death. No demon. No person. I belong to you and you love me. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. You see, you've got to declare the right things. And declaring isn't magic. Declaring is like setting a goal. You say to yourself, well, I don't feel that every day. You declare it and then you move towards it. So let me ask you one more time. What are you carrying? Are your arms aching? Are your heart aching? Is it time to lay some things down and say, you know what, God? I want to lay down the fact that I'm afraid of that person. I want to lay down the fact that I'm afraid of of my future. I want to lay down the fact that I'm afraid of failing. I want to lay some things down today. You know what? You may have some needs on your heart that's nothing to do with what I've said today. We're going to sing a song and we're just going to invite you to whatever problem or any need or anything you want to bring to God that you just want to leave the seat where you're standing and we want to just pray with you for a few moments. Alex and Michelle, we just want you to know we will be praying for you as you're out on the beat and keeping us safe and making decisions that we probably would never even dream of. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you, John, for raising up chaplains to support these good people. Let's just thank these people one more time for being with us. God bless you, man. Come. Hey, if you want to join this brave, wonderful sister at the front and you would like prayer, just come now and Natalie's going to lead us in a song, just anything at all. It may have nothing to do with what I've said. You just wanted prayer today. Come. But if you just want to lay some things down in your heart, if you just want to ask God for some help in some way, then please just come. And we want to pray with you. Thank you, Natalie, if you'll lead us. Yeah, just keep coming. It's okay. It's all right. We're just going to worship together. Don't hold back. You're not admitting anything wrong. What you're saying is, I'm just going to lay some things down. I'm just going to let Jesus have it. It's all right. It's really all right. He loves you so much. He's going to be so gentle with you. Yeah, just keep coming. It's okay.